when we try to look at the book of Acts and understand what's going on, we see the Holy Spirit empowered people to actually live out the gospel. So the focus isn't more and more knowledge, just more talking, more learning uh, into our brains. The focus is on let's live this out and, and see how lives are changed. And so um, Acts chapter 20, here's a little bit of knowledge that uh, just for us to be aware of. Acts chapter 20, this speech that uh, the Apostle Paul gives is the only speech in the book of Acts directed at Christians. It's directed at other believers. And so we looked at it last week uh, a little bit, and we're going to continue um, looking at it this morning. And we are going to uh, identify the second theme in this speech. The first one we identified from last week was this idea that we are to be alert, that as Christians we are to be alert to our own lives, we are to be alert um, to other people's lives. Paul is specifically talking to leaders in the church, but I want to just broaden out what he's talking about and, and look at how it applies to all of us. And so this morning, we will focus on uh, verse 32 and focus on the idea of building one another up, of developing that bond of friendship that enables us to build one another up. Um, in this speech, uh, Paul refers to us as, um, as sheep. So he refers to Christians as the flock. He refers to us as the church. And um, he says that we need to be alert to what's going on in life. And we need to be people who are building one another up. Um, earlier this week, I asked um, Brian Renner. Many of you guys know Brian. He's been um, a lifeguard since the 80s. I don't know where he went. There he is. How long, Mr. Renner? 1984, okay, so this is a non-scientific question, all right, and you have to participate just by raising your hand, that's all you have to do, non-scientific little quiz. So one of the main areas that he works is right across the street, Zuma Beach, and um, Zuma is uh, known for being a dangerous place, especially in the summertime with south swells, it can be a very dangerous place. And so um, the question is this, all right, think about this for a second. So this is only on his personal experience. What percentage of his rescues, of ocean rescues, as an LA County lifeguard are performed on people who don't know they are in trouble? They're unaware that their lives are in danger. All right, so 30%, who, 30%, raise your hand if you think it's 30%. Only Joel, okay. <laughs> the non-ocean man. <laughs> You're wrong. 40%? 70%? Okay. And then, so raise your hand for you 90 percenters. Maybe 70 is very close, but maybe 71. Well, according to our expert lifeguard, uh, it's 90 plus percent of people are unaware their lives are in danger. And that would be Joel. <laughs> Among others, my, my point this morning is that um, we need to be aware and we need to be building each other up because what can happen in life is, is we can get off course in life. We can get discouraged in life. Things can happen in life that, that can tear us down. And often we are aware. I'm not drawing a perfect parallel between 
lifeguard rescues and your life. But, but there are some things that should um, cause us to slow down and think a little bit. That our lives can get off course quite easily. And sometimes we're, just, we're not even aware that that's happening in our lives. And so Paul, Paul calls, calls specific attention um, to this idea. And, and here is my, my main point, if we can try to focus on one point that I will elaborate on, and that's this, is that everyone here has a role and responsibility to build each other up in Christ Jesus. Every person here who is a follower of Christ has the role and responsibility to build each other up in Jesus Christ. If you look um, at the very beginning, uh, in Acts chapter uh, 19, Peter begins, excuse me, Paul begins with this phrase, serving the Lord. And that was the hallmark of his life. And that is the role of every follower of Christ. It is not um, a role for leaders only. It's not a role for a select few. If, if we are going to live out the gospel, then we need to be aware that we all have a role as servants of the Lord. The idea of being a servant of the Lord is this idea of a total surrender of your life to Him and that you're willing to serve Him. Next, we have the, a responsibility to do what? To care for the church. To care for the church. Now, it is helpful, um, you know, where we meet because when I say care for the church, I mean we just have to look at each other and say that, that we are the church. We don't have a too fancy of a building that can, your mind can go towards when I say the church. It's just us sitting here. We have the role as servants of the Lord and the responsibility to care for the church. Because Paul says that there are fierce wolves. And that's kind of an intense way to say it. And if you think about this for a second, Paul says that he uses the metaphor as a flock as a flock. Now, I don't know, uh, I'm not a shepherd, but here's one thing that comes to my mind, and I think I'm right, is that sheep are vulnerable. That if you have a sheep and a wolf, the wolf's always going to win. And so we are much more vulnerable than we realize. And this is what happens a lot in the ocean. In fact, um, I think it was two, July 2015, and, and this is extremely rare, that a, a I think it was a 29-year-old man at Zuma Beach drowned. And a lifeguard described how he was in waist-deep water and he thought he was fine. Right? Listen, if there's, a, if there's an age, you know, a, a man in his mid-late 20s standing in waist-deep water, I'm not vulnerable. I, I, this is no big deal. And so I think it's a picture of this, that we are more, more all of us are more vulnerable than we think. To, to discouragement in life, to getting off course, to things that can hurt us. And it's interesting, Peter, excuse me, Paul says that, that these fierce wolves will come from within. And in the context, do you know who the fierce wolves are? It's guys like me. It's leaders in the church who know a little theology and know a little bit and can misguide people. And so his warning is very clear that we need to be alert, we need to understand that we're more vulnerable than we think, and that specifically we need to be people who build each other up. 
And so that's what he's going to say in uh, verse 32. This will be our focus. Paul says this, and this is kind of, he's wrapping up his speech, and he says this, and now I commend you to God. I commend you to God. And that's kind of an interesting phrase, and, and we'll, just, we'll stop on that for a second. It's the idea of this, of entrusting, uh, Paul's entrusting the leaders to God. And that is the idea that we need to be aware of for a second. So he's saying this, He's leaving this, this final word with the leaders to keep your focus on God and his word. That Paul is confident that God provides everything we need for life. And it, it connects us back, if you think back to um, Matthew chapter 28, um, with, which is known as the Great Commission. And Jesus says these words, he, and I'll just summarize the part that's familiar, that we're to go out, that we're to be going people. But there's a phrase at the very end that often gets overlooked, and it's this phrase that Jesus says, that I am with you always. I am with you always. No matter where you are at in your life, Jesus promises that he is with you always, and that nothing in your life can separate you from him. That we are to be people who understand that our lives are entrusted to him. And... Uh, to give you a picture of that, um, there's probably no better place to go than to uh, the Bible itself to give you a picture and to help us understand um, this idea of building each other up, of building one another up, and how important it is. All right, so here's the context again, that we as people, we are more vulnerable than we think, and that we need each other to build one another up, to help us stay faithful to Christ. So here's a picture of that. If you have your Bible, turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. And let's look at just a story of how important this is. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. And uh, we will begin in verse 11. So the, the principle is this is that we are to be faithful to God, that he is faithful to us. That life is a total faith dependence upon God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, and we'll elaborate on that. Here's what the author says of Deuteronomy. He writes this, Take care, lest you forget your Lord, your God, by not keeping his commandments, his rules, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and you are full and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiplied, your silver and your gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become, what? Lifted up. Your heart will become proud. And you forget the Lord your God. Now, just think about this for a second. Here's, here's the context. You have to remember, 40 years in the wilderness, all right? Um, I enjoy going on little like day hikes and, uh, and having fun with the boys and my wife and doing things. And um, we went on one uh, a couple weeks ago and we probably went three or four miles. And by the end though, it's always fun. I don't know, probably was Finn, my middle boy, probably said something like, look, there's the car. Like we're so excited, like we're done, we made it. Three or four hours of walking. And we made it to the car. <laughs> and here's, think about this. 40 years, 
40 years of the wilderness. And I have, um, the mountains not too far from here, above Santa Barbara, Ojai, called the Los Padres National Forest, uh, in the summertime, it gets incredibly hot. And it's just, it's, it is the wilderness. And I, uh, one quick story, we went, um, this was years and years ago, and we were going to do, it's a four-mile round-trip hike. Two miles to the, some water to play in, two miles out. And Todd Mayo was there, and I think Lockwood was with us. And we had little, little kids. And we thought, you know what? Two miles, at the very least, I can carry my children, like two miles. I don't know how hot it was, but coming out uphill after playing, we were like dying, like panting. Everyone's got super red faces, and we're like, water, water. And like, we're like, if we ever do this again, we're going to drop water halfway walking down, so when we're coming back out, we can have water coming out. Because we were, in, I don't know, like I said, probably close to 100 degrees, and just high, and it's, but here's my point. Two miles to the car, 40 years, 40 years of tough life. And, and here's the point. Tough life means lots of praying, lots of dependence on God, lots of like, God, help me in my tough life. And the, the point then here is this, is that when the Israelites get to the promised land, think about how this applies to us today. Silver and gold is multiplied. That means you've got money in the bank. You've got a house. All of these things that most people who live in Malibu have. We've got food. We've got shelter. We've got a little retirement. We've got all the things we need. And what is the warning that your heart becomes proud and what? You forget God. That you forget God. The verse goes on, that you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, he, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good to the end. Beware. Here's the warning again. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and might of my hand have gotten me this well. Last verse, verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. And it is so easy for us to forget about God. It is so easy for our hearts to become independent, to become prideful, and, and think about um, that our need for God isn't what it should be. You don't have to turn there, but Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7 says this, that God has blessed you that God is with you, and that you will lack nothing. And so what Paul is doing when he's writing this, this closing remarks to this speech, he's reminding them, and my hope to remind you, is that God is faithful, that he is with you, that he is with you no matter what the details or circumstances of your life is like. One last place, and, and then we're going to move on to another point, but if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians. This is significant. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. 
Paul writes this, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were utterly burdened beyond our strength. And some of you might feel like that right now. That the burdens of life are beyond your strength. That we despaired of life itself. That, that Paul's life was pushed to the edge. And this is something that many of us have felt or experienced. Indeed, we, received, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but to God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that the many will give thanks on our behalf. So Paul is saying, he's, he's reminding us of this idea of God's faithfulness to us, that he promises to be with us. And this is the, the lifelong lesson that we need to learn and relearn and relearn is this. I, as I said earlier, life is a total faith dependence on God. That we need to be reminded of that. So, Go back to Acts and we'll move on to the next thing. So, Paul is saying in his final remarks here, I commend to you, God. I entrust to you, God. What? That God is with you always. That's what you build your life on, that God is with you always. And we need to build each other up with that truth because we are more vulnerable to discouragement. We are more vulnerable towards temptation to want to become independent, to becoming proudful of doing our own thing. Remind one another that life is a faith-dependence life on God. Next he says this, that we are to speak words of grace. Verse 32, now I commend to you God and to the word of grace. And what we have to remember here is that um, Paul is about ready to leave all right, he's going to leave, he's going to Jerusalem, and he says that my life might be filled with uh, jail and tough times ahead. So the context is this. Paul's leaving. Um, the Ephesian leaders are being warned that, that fierce wolves could come in, and so he's reminding them of these really essential things. The second thing he reminds them of this is the word of grace. Now, if you like to note things in your Bible or, or highlight things, let me show you how consistent this is in, in Paul's speech. We'll start in verse 20. And here's what he says as far as this idea of words of grace. He says that he's going to speak things, number one, that are profitable. Verse 21, he's going to speak about repentance and faith. Verse 24, he's going to testify to the gospel of grace. Verse 25, he's going to speak about the kingdom of God. Verse 27, he's going to declare the whole counsel of God. And the point is this, that we need the encouragement of the word of grace. And the opposite of that is what? Is harshness, is rigidity, is rule following. I read just a little bit this way about uh, this week about Ernest Hemingway. And I, and I, I don't know very much about him, and I, I wish I knew more, but, you know, the, uh, the personality of being the, um, the fisherman, the tough guy, the man's man, uh, and all that stuff. Obviously, a very interesting life. But one of the things I had no idea about that I learned this week is that his 
parents were, uh, according to this book, devout Christians. And they were rigid and strict and maybe, according to this author, abusive with their Christianity. And guess what he said? I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm done. And then I read this story, and I, the, uh, the author footnoted it, so I'm going to say it's true, but the mom was, his mom was so upset with his lifestyle, right? He just partied hard and did his, he did his thing. And his mom was so upset that she would write letters to him and, like, shun him. And in one, one time, she actually sent him the gun that his dad used to commit suicide. That's the opposite of grace. Of course he's going to run. You're like, we would all, like, I'm out. Right? So we have to think very carefully about this. This idea of church and rigidity and rule following and getting lost, getting lost in our sanctification that grace is what motivates us. Grace is what changes us. A loving, open hand, a loving, open heart, an understanding person, a person who understands grace will attract people. You'll want to be near that person. And a person who is rigid, who is harsh, who is brutal, you're going to run the other way. You're going to go the other way, like any of us would. And so we have to note very carefully what Paul is saying. Build one another up with grace. Not by getting in people's faces and saying, you're a screw-up. You keep messing up. Because you, here's what happens. Going back to this, this pride thing, we are really good at seeing other people's faults and not paying attention to our own lives. I don't know. Listen, there is, there's something really messed up about human beings sometimes because people can do amazingly good things, be so helpful, make one little mistake, and what do we focus on? The one mistake. It happens in marriages. It happens in friendships. It happens with parent-child relationships. We have to work hard to build each other up with grace and to see good in people and to love people. That is, that is Paul's point here because he's leaving and he wants them to be strong, to be strong in the words of grace. If we, um, <clears throat> if we notice the context, though, too, um, let's read the next verse. He says this, I commend you the words of grace, which are able to build you up which is able to build you up. And what's, what's interesting here about this, this speech is the relationship between Paul and um, these leaders that he's speaking to. Because, and I mentioned this last week, but two times he mentions the word tears. Two times he mentions the word tears. And in, in this context, he says this, that there are times, though, that the word of grace includes admonishment. Look at verse 31. He says this, Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. So sometimes the most graceful thing you can say is a word of admonishment. 
But you have to be so careful because that, 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 this can be so misused. And this is why you have to connect it with the other word. Admonishment with what? Tears, he says. Like, what in the world? Then you look back at verse 18, and he says that same thing again. He uses this word tears, and then he connects it with humility. Think about how you would be willing to receive a word of instruction or a word of maybe um, um, admonishment that would cause you to think about the course of your life. If you are so close to that person that you've shared tears with that person, is our heart more open to that? If that person comes to you in humility, are you more likely to receive that? Paul is saying this, that we need to be people who are building one another up. And we do that through the word of grace. We do that by reminding one another that God is faithful to us, that he is with us no matter what we are going through in life. No matter what um, event that's in your life that's stealing hope, that's causing discouragement, that he is faithful to us. It's important for us to understand that Paul is trying to develop within this church family a purpose, a strength that is built on clarity of God's word. The last thing I want to, and we'll finish up with this. Paul's concern is that friendships are strengthened, that there is a bond between these people. And let me show you this. This is an interesting way for, for Paul to close his speech with people. Verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. What, a, what an interesting thing to note. That when Luke is writing this book, that he notes they knelt down. And think about how this even connects with Paul's his life here of being a servant of the Lord. So he gets together with these, these men that he's speaking with. They kneel down, they pray together, and there was much weeping on the part of all. Third time. Like, who is, who is this Paul guy just crying all the time, right? Three times he's talking about crying. And all I can say to that is this, is that reveals what you truly love. A man will weep over things that he truly loves. And Paul loves the right things. He loves the church. He loves the people in his life. It says they embraced and they kissed. And it says being sorrowful, most of all because the word he had been spoken, that they would not see each other face to face. And they accompanied him to the ship. So this is a, a departure that's going on. And in the midst of this departure is true friendship. And I think one of the things, and this is my last thing I want to share this morning is this, is that do our lives connect at more than one point? Because if our lives only connect in controlled environments, you, you won't see weeping. I, 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 we won't see the real you. And I think, I think now more than ever, and I don't know if this is just because of technology, but we control image more than ever before, that you can create a, a portrayal of your life that is not the real you, and no one will ever weep over you. Because everything's perfect. Everything's under control. And I think one of the main things that, that Paul is talking about here is this, is that he 
and he says this, he lived among the people for three years, that his life intersected in so many different areas, the friendship was so strong, that they actually were at the point where they would weep together. Because they're going different directions, and because of the challenges of life. I think we need to remember the words of Jesus as we finish up this morning. That as we leave, I know there's many people here from different parts of uh, the country, that as we leave, we remember the words of Jesus. That no matter where we live, no matter where we go, that Jesus promises that he is with us always. That he is with us always. And we build each other up with that truth that he is faithful to us. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we conclude this morning, as we worship, that we would be a community of people that, that build each other up in the truth, that we speak the word of grace, we speak the gospel into each other's lives, that we remind each other of your faithfulness and your goodness to us. Father, I pray that you would guard our hearts about forgetting uh, of your goodness and your faithfulness to us. Father, I pray that friendships would be strengthened here, that the, the bond of friendship would be centered on your son, Jesus Christ, that we would admonish each other to push on, to, to walk with your son, Jesus, to be faithful stewards. We ask these things in the name of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.